At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. So the True Tech Tools Minute, guys, we're going to focus on their starter kits. They got a bunch of really cool starter kits that range in price. Now, you got to understand the people at True Tech are very educated, all right, on their products. They're smart people over there. So they've customized these kits. All right, so go check them out. Some of them include smart probes. Some of them include digital manifolds. If you're new to the trade or even if you've been in the trade for a while, the kits still include a lot of good tools, all right? So check those out. Save 8% with promo code KNOWITALL at checkout. Guys, if you want to save on Testo stuff, there's a link in the podcast notes or go to my homepage, click on the True Tech Tools logo and fill out the little form. What's up, guys? We're back. HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. Guys, it's cold today. Uh, on my dash right now, we're reading minus 19 degrees C. Quite a drop in temp just um, from Friday to now. This is Monday. So on Friday, it was it was a bit warmer than it is now, and, and we dropped quite heavily over the weekend. And one thing I'm going to tell you guys is that I was roaming around on a roof and doing some PMs and stuff. And something something said, you know what? You better check out the warehouse heating. The warehouse was uh, heated by rooftop units. Okay. And, and I had this inkling, and I don't know what led me to to want to check the warehouse heating that day because there's a bunch of units, but I wanted to check the warehouse heating that day. Something drew me towards it. Four rooftops. Out of all four, zero were working. This was Friday afternoon. One of them had blown fuses. I found a dead uh, short to a condenser fan motor. Okay, isolated the condenser fan motor, fixed it, got it up and running. All right, that one, good. It heated, not a problem. The other three, I went over, fired up the heating, okay? The heating fired on all three of them, uh, but snuffed out shortly after. The flame did not stay lit, the main, the main burner. Okay, so clean the flame sensor, check the signal. It was good, but still would not stay lit. So I had to run out. This was like 2.30 in the afternoon. Now I got three units down, so I had to run out. And I knew it was going to be freezing, and this is why I wanted to get these fixed before uh, the weekend. So I ran out, grabbed the parts, got them going. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because I'm, I'm a fan of the same tech going to the building to do the PMs each and every time rather than um, just scattering the jobs around to whoever may be available. Because when the tech goes to the job every time or goes to the do the PM every time, they get to know that building. All right, when you know that building, you can create a better customer service experience because you know what to check, when to check, how to check. And because I've been in that building for years, and I knew the warehouse was important. The goods that it stored in that warehouse, it needs to maintain a certain temperature. If it drops below or goes above, 
there's problems. So I'm like, you be- I better check that warehouse before the weekend because the temperature is going to drop off. So I'm an advocate of the same tech doing the PM at the building each and every time, creating that relationship with the customer and knowing that building like the back of their hand. That's just my little uh, tidbit for today. But guys, because it's so cold, I'm glad um, we got this podcast coming up because uh, we got Don Taylor on the podcast. Don is out of the Niagara region in Ontario, okay? And Don's a boiler guru, in my mind, okay? Seen some of the drawings he puts up on on Instagram and some of his posts of his jobs, and and they're ridiculous. The pictures, such clean work, such nice work, and he takes such pride in what he does. And that's why Don was invited on the podcast. So he's going to warm us up on this cold day. Maybe it's not cold where you are, but it's cold where I am. It's freezing. Don's going to warm us up on this podcast. He's going to spit boiler intelligence at you and I. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast, guys. I'm your host, Gary McCready. I had this question the other day, and I, and I get it kind of often. Should I go out and buy Testo Smart Probes, or should I buy a digital manifold? Well, here's my answer to that, and I'll give you my reasoning. If you're on the fence about grabbing like a, a 557 or a set of smart probes, I always recommend if you're getting into the digital age, you're new to digital stuff, grab the manifold set first because then you can get used to the technology. Everything's on that one screen. Your clamps are plugged into it. Um, get used to that technology. Used to going into the app and, and kind of using it. And then you can always add smart probes later on to your collection because there is a difference between the two. Smart probes are really good um, for critically charged units because they don't take a lot of gas to pressurize uh, the transducers. Okay. And the the, the wireless temperature clamps are good for maintenances to check across filter dryers and stuff. You may have seen my video that I put out on Facebook and Instagram, which will be on YouTube shortly as well. So that is my answer to that. If you're on the fence about smart probes or, for instance, a 557, go with the manifold first, learn the technology, and then add the smart probes afterwards. I found a, uh, a dead compressor on a stand-up refrigerator, okay? There's no... Uh, there's no service ports in this thing. So this is where the yellow jacket recovery and evacuation tool is going to come in. It really handy for me. It's basically a set of pliers, um, like a set of vice grips almost. That's got a, uh, a little prick, uh, like a little pointer on it. That's got an opening and then it's got a rubber seat. So when you fasten that down to the pipe, it opens up the pipe. And then on the other side, of the uh, the jaws, it's got a service fitting, which is super cool. So now you can attach that. You can recover the gas, all right, um, without using one of those piercing valves because they're a pain in the butt. Recover the gas. Once the gas is out, then you can uh, braze in your service fittings afterwards. So guys, check that out. It's a pretty cool tool. If you guys work on systems that don't have service fittings and you need to um, find a way to get into that system very easily, uh, that is a great tool for it. Now, I hope I didn't mention this on the last podcast, but I'm going to be cleaning an ice machine probably coming up in the next few weeks. I got the job approved. We just got to find a time to schedule and get in there to do it. And for those of you guys that don't know, Refrigeration Technologies uh, makes a nickel-free ice machine cleaner. Okay, I'm going to give it a go and, and see how it goes. But from 
from my experience with their products, everything has been solid. It's been gold, right? So I presume, okay, not assume, I presume that this product is also going to be that way. So guys, Field Pulse, as always, 14-day free trial, okay? Uh, the free app Simply Send is there for you guys to check out and use for free as long as you want. You want to upgrade to Field Pulse, you can do so at any time. Now, Cool Air products, I keep getting new pictures sent to me of Smart Seal External being used and being used successfully in these tests all over North America. Okay, a lot of you guys are still on the fence about a product like this. Now, if you guys can brace it up, guys, I mean, go ahead and brace it up. But there's going to be situations. And I had a coworker uh, last week. I may have mentioned this already, but he had a valve. And he he couldn't fix the leak because it was dissimilar metals. And I think it was an aluminum body. And there's a pinhole in it. And he said, it just, he can't fix it. He's got to replace it. So I gave him a tube of Smart Seal little uh, roll of it and he put it around there and he he got back to me last week and said it worked so now he's got that on there it's a leak-free system now he's got time to get this part quoted out um, ordered and then when it comes in he can replace it all right that's what i would suggest to do is once that stuff is on there um, you can use it as a temporary measure but it is advertised as long term all right but if you want to get that proper part that goes in in place of that, order it up, put it in. But in the time being, the Smart Seal External worked for him. What's up, guys? Um, tonight we got a guest, um, and you guys will probably know him on Instagram. Uh, Don, how do you? What's your, what's your handle on Instagram? You go by? Uh, it's Don Taylor fifty three. Don Taylor fifty three. And if you guys follow Don. Um, Lately, he actually posted a really cool diagram that he had drawn out. And was this Sunday, like, afternoon or Sunday morning or something like that? You're sitting at the kitchen table drawing out boiler controls? Uh, yeah, you know, it was just, uh, I think I was just doing something on a on a weekend, and it was actually just helping out another contractor uh, with some cool ideas for a job that they were involved in. Um, so, yeah, I just threw, threw some sketches here and there, and... Uh, well, help, this was this was this was more than a sketch, man. This was like some <laughs> this was like some in in depth drawing of like a boiler system. It was it was pretty cool, man. I, I was really impressed. And that was um and and I've always looked at your I, I scroll through a lot of Instagram feeds and it's, it's hard to stay on top of every single one of them. But when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Don is going to be a great podcast guest because if he draws stuff like that, the guy's got to have a really smart mind for heating systems. So um, I'm glad you got on the podcast and you were telling me um, last night, actually Don was supposed to get on the podcast with me last night. We were supposed to record it, but he had a, a bad, you, you want to go over your day if you don't mind and, and, and what happened uh, with you? Yeah, just, just a classic case of, um, of an installation gone bad. Um, we were actually putting in a boiler system and uh, you know, near the end of the day we had a pipe, break on the water up um kind of downstream of where we were working and it was in a pretty unexposed uh like a commercial um the concrete mesh ceiling so oh wow we had actually found um there was an old air vent that was kind of buried up in the ceiling and it rotted out and 
you know, us shaking the pipes and beating things around, uh, putting in a new system, we ended up pretty much breaking it off and found out on the water up at the end of the day. So <laughs> made for a late night. Yeah, you know what? We've all been there and we can all relate to that. I mean, I, I've had nights where I, I've been, uh, I get home and then I got to go back out. I remember you say that it brings up a, a story that, um, I, I don't know if you remember, like where, where about, I know you're in Ontario, but whereabouts are you in Ontario? Um, I'm based out of the Niagara region. Niagara region. Cool. From Niagara Falls. Awesome. Cool. So, um, this is about four or five years ago and you may remember this, but we had really, really cold weather. I, I can't remember if it was December or January, uh, but it, they called it a, a polar vortex. And basically the, 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 the temperature got down to like minus like 35 to minus 40 and that's and and, and that's celsius and, and fahrenheit it's almost about the same because they kind of line up at minus 40 and, and do you remember that the polar vortex thing that came through like five years ago i do <laughs> so i was um i was i i got a call that these uh there's some problems with with these chillers and they they had been on the roof running for 15 years or so until this time and i i went to the call and it was so cold outside that when the compressor started, uh, they couldn't build enough pressure to to uh, satisfy the low pressure switch. And they just kept shutting off on low pressure, shutting off on low pressure. So we had to charge the hell out of the machines, or, or I did anyway. And I was there till I don't know, midnight, one in the morning, something like that. And then I finally was able to get them going a bit, drove home. Okay. And on, on my way home, I called, called my boss. I'm like, someone's got to go back there tomorrow to check on these things and maybe add some more gas or whatever, just to get through this period. And what had happened is that it got so cold out that the sensor, um, that was attached to the, the, the microprocessor, uh, the microprocessor said, Hey, I'm shutting down. It's too cold outside. This is it. So the thing shut down and these guys went back and they're holding the, the one apprentice is holding the sensor in his hand to warm it back up, to trick it into, into thinking it's warm enough to run, right? And then yeah. they, call, they called me after having about three or four hours sleep, and I'm back there again. This was one of the worst days I had in the trade, so I, I relate to that kind of stuff huge. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, but I got to thank you for getting on the podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. And I don't know if you've listened in the past, but I try to have organic conversations that kind of um, – where you can learn and I can learn and we can kind of teach each other and the listeners um, based on the conversation and the knowledge we're sharing. So uh, we decided to talk about what you're um, good at and what you focus on and that's boiler stuff. So the basic of boilers. So if we wanted to build up a boiler system from the ground, just basic stuff, where would we start with that? Um, So technically just, yeah, just like anything else, um, knowing knowing your design load is, you know, definitely one of the the key starting points. Um, you know, we're we're living in an era now where we have modulating boilers. Um, modulating boilers, as far as I'm concerned, you know, they can they can definitely save your butt if you don't really know how to size the system properly. Um, one of the things that I see a lot in the past and, um, you know, we, we come into systems and we see 
you know, circulating pumps that are, you know, ma- massively oversized or massively undersized. Um, you know, I see a lot of piping that is undersized or, you know, the guy comes in and puts in, uh, you know, just piping that doesn't need to be half the size it is. Um, so usually when, when I go into a system, um, you know, knowing the, the heat load is key, sizing the boiler, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of zoned systems nowadays, um, you know, and this is just even going down to the residential market. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they may have four zones in a house and knowing your load on each zone is a very important, uh, key factor as well. Um, with modulating boilers, you know, you want to make sure that you can meet your minimum load as well as the maximum load. Otherwise you end up with, you know, a short cycling boiler. Um, it just, it can create all kinds of issues down the road. So something we usually look at is, um, you know, sizing the boiler accordingly and sizing the circulator and the piping accordingly. Um, these are things that, you know, I like to call it, uh, it's, it's probably grade three math. Um, you know, we've all, I think we were all a lot smarter in grade school when we were <laughs> going to school every day. Um, you know, just, just simple formulas. I mean, the universal hydronics formula, um, that's, that's something. And if, if you're, I'm sure you're aware of it, the listeners, you know, the gallons per minute required equals, uh, BTUs divided by your system delta T times 500 if you're using water. Yep. Um, that's a formula that I went through many, many, many years of working for other companies, working on boilers. Um, that's a formula that I had never heard of in my life before, taught oh. by anybody that I worked for. Um, and just over the, over the years of, you know, being self-employed, I, I do a lot of reading and, you know, when I when I stumbled across that one, it was almost kind of like it, it brought everything that I that I knew together. And it's like, okay, you know, this is how you size pumps. This is how you need to know how much water flow you need. Um, so I think the key the key is to really know and understand that formula when you're working with hydronics and how you can use it to your advantage. Um, so just as it, simple as sizing a circulator. Um, you know, it, it, it can be, for me, it's, it's easy to talk about, but I might get a little bit off topic sometimes. So just stop me if I'm uh, no, no, man. That, that, getting a little it, bit carried away. But No, um, that's okay. That, that's what you're here for, man. I'm here to listen and just kind of ask, ask the, 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 the quote, unquote, dumb questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, for me, it came from a, an article I read a long time ago, and it was written by... John Siegenthaler, um, you know, and it was just kind of something I was browsing around online and, uh, I came across some good hydronics articles and I read through them and, uh, you know, I, I learned something that, that just kind of spurred like a massive development, um, in regards to how a hydronic system works. And, um, you know, when you get into sizing, circulators knowing how many gallons per minute you need for your loop to deliver the required heat flow um that's one of the biggest things that that i see when i come across is 
you know, the same circulator on every job. And, you know, you look at it, it's like, geez, you know, we tend to, as, as tradesmen, sometimes we tend to let the suppliers kind of tell us, you know, what we need um, without really, you know, wanting to know why the question as to why, you know, why do I need to use this circulator as to a different one? Um, so something I really, I really got into was basically being able to go into a, into a building and diagnose something that you can't see. And that's water flow in a pipe. Um, and it's something that, you know, knowing, knowing what your heat load is that you're trying to achieve and knowing what your circulator is and how to read your system pressure losses has been something that, uh, that has really kind of made it to a point where you can walk into a building and, and kind of analyze a big system where you can't actually see what's going on in the pipes. Yeah. So before we get into, into that, so how, how, like for yourself, if you have a job and you got to put a size of boiler and size of circulator, where do you begin with that process? Like, do you, do you outsource like third party heat load calculations or do you do that yourself? Like how do you go about that process? Um, basically, you know, you walk into a place, um, and a lot of the times when I'm, when I'm trying to sell a job, you know, it, it may not be, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that say, Oh, you know, you, you got to do a full heat loss on the whole place. And, um, you know, we, we all know in the real world that that's, that's not always, you know, something that's done. Um, you know, we, we tend to have experience over the years as tradesmen. So, um, you know, with the age of modulating boilers, it's, it's very easy to size a boiler. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times we're actually oversizing boilers due to modulation rates. Um, so what I would do, you know, I mean, first and foremost, you got to look at your system piping. Um, a lot of the times if, if you're in a home that, you know, maybe I know in the Toronto area, you guys probably have a lot of, um, a lot of homes and buildings where at one point or another, they were a gravity system, gravity boiler system, no circulator, you know, two, three, three inch piping in a house. Um, you know, you, a lot of people will walk into that without the experience and say, Hey, you know, I don't know what size piping we've got to do. This is two inch. Um, so knowing that, uh, knowing that you can look at the boiler that's there, you know, you ask the questions, you know, you, you know, with your own expertise, you know, how's this thing been doing the job? Um, you know, if, if it's a house that I have, if I ever have any type of, um, question about the size of the system that's in there, I use, um, a program it's called HeatCAD, and, uh, it's basically, um, you know, it's a very simple program to use. You can draw out your customer's home or building. You can input, you know, everything down to windows, down to insulation, and just kind of verify, um, you know, verify your heat loss. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, you look at a, a boiler system, maybe they got a mid-efficiency boiler in there that's, you know, they're they've never had a heating issue and then you can take your, you know, your new boiler system, match it to that 
and start from there. But one of the most important things that I always look at is the piping. Um, because your, your boiler system is only as good as your piping. Um, you can only deliver the amount of heat that the rads are going to let you. So, you know, if, if you don't have a system that works with your boiler, you could put, you know, the, the most expensive boiler plant in, in the world and you're just, you're not going to get the performance. So these are things that, that I tend to look at is, you know, the type of convector, whether it be copper fin, cast iron. Um, and there's, there's a lot of formulas and software out there to allow you to calculate the heat output of different types of radiators, whether it be copper fin, cast iron, um, everything is, everything's there for you. We live in a, it's a really kind of great time to be in the trade. Yeah. Information age. Can I, can I ask you a question? What is the best rad, um, for performance to give out the most heat? Um, so if we're talking, if we're talking existing, um, systems or anything, I mean, you know, a, a good old cast iron rad tends yeah. to be such a great heat out. Oh, I, 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 I agree with you there because I, I have a building downtown Toronto with a couple of steam boilers with cast iron rads and man, it like, this this building's inefficient. It runs inefficiently because the boilers the boilers run, and there's so many different offices and floors. There's I think there's five floors in the building, but there's so many different offices and partitions through the building, um, different offices, different amounts of people, and and whatnot. And if the boiler's up and running, and they're and it's try, trying to satisfy um, the, the the pressure, like the steam, it's a steam boiler. They're trying to satisfy the pressure that uh that the the set points at by the time it gets there there could be people that are just stifling hot so a lot of people they shut the the valves off to their rads and they're actually they're actually running cooling all year long in some of the spaces because it just gets so hot in there so it's a very very in a inefficient building but i mean i agree with you on on the uh the cast iron man those things put the heat out like like nobody's business unless you're going to like uh a fan coil that actually has a uh, forced air that's that's pushing that that air across yeah. that coil and and moving the the heat towards you. But yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. So yeah, far- I, I'm a huge fan of cast iron rods. Um, you know, and a lot of people every time we go into a boiler system, I get a little bit excited when you know when I walk into the place and there's cast iron rods because it's like, you know, I I have um, a lot of different experiences with outdoor reset settings with cast iron rads um and it gets it gets exciting when you see you know a big old 70 percent efficient boiler you know probably about twice the size of what the building requires and uh you know when you you go in and you slap in a condensing boiler and and you start heating the place you know with with 90 to 100 degree Fahrenheit water at certain times and uh, I mean there's huge huge savings to be had with cast iron rods Um, I'm also a fan I've I've been putting a bunch of them in lately Um, basically there's a couple different names that are put on them when they're imported into North America Um, I know in our area they're sold as Stellrad and Sanita Um, but it's basically the European 
panel rad, uh, low temperature panel rad. Um, we're currently doing a, a church right now, replacing all the uh, copper fin tube rad with panel rads. And this is about a one year process we're doing where we're going to be changing every single radiator throughout the church and the buildings attached to it and converting it all to a condensing boiler system. Um, right now they're running about 1.2 million BTUs of, uh, I flu tested, I, I was getting about 71% efficiency out of them. Okay. Um, so we're running very high temp water. I mean, we're, we're just wasting energy like you wouldn't believe. So this is kind of a system where we're putting the, uh, the Sanica low temperature panel rods where we're actually doing a design to run 140 Fahrenheit water on the coldest day of the year as to the 190 that they currently run right now. Um, you know, had they been cast iron rads, which this building originally had, we could have probably already operated at those temperatures with condensing boilers, but somebody, you know, 30, 40 years down the road, uh, 40 years back, retrofitted everything with copper fins. So it kind of, it really took a hit on the, the building's efficiency capabilities. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, there's something about copper fin rads that I, I don't like whatsoever. I find that, like, I, I have a building um, also downtown Toronto. It's got copper fin rads all around it. And and um, the outside spaces, um, well, I guess they're all outside spaces Again, against one wall, but the the corners where they have two outside walls, they always complain every year how cold they are. And the boilers are running um, at max; uh, they're right at like it, um, just full tilt, right? And yeah. and and we can't and we can't if we increase the temperature uh, of the water output, then we're going to overheat everybody else. So I don't know. I've I've never liked the, these copper fin rads. Uh, at all uh, can i ask you a question do you do any any steam stuff very little um it's it's kind of something that uh years ago when i worked for a company um we we did all the boiler system basically controls and maintenance for the district school board of niagara um and we actually only had i think out of the 150 schools that we took care of we only had one school with um, with a steam boiler, and that place now actually they they closed the school down. We did a little bit of work there, um, and we basically had it was a steam system that also had some scavenger hydronic loops on it. Um, at the time, this is going back about ten years, and at the time, um, we did a bunch of work there, and I mean I was just I think I was like 22 at the time and uh, I really, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't pay too much attention to the logistics of it. Um, I worked for, I worked for a small company and my boss, he taught me a lot to do with boilers and controls. Um, a lot of what kind of came, you know, in the controls and my information was from him. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky, actually, I have a steam, one building that I take care of with a steam boiler. And, uh, you know, I did myself a favor, and I, I went and bought the, the Lost Art of Steam book, um, and I, I gave it a good read. And for, for a guy like me that 
you know, I have a very strong grasp on hydronics. That that book was like, you know, the history of steam boilers from like a hundred and yeah, years. I, I I heard um, I heard that book is is excellent. And and the reason I asked you about steam is because I learned something a couple of years ago that it kind of it kind of blew my mind because um, the topic was basically or or the question or the or my question in my head is what what is the better if you're creating steam and and you're you're delivering steam to a rad do you want that steam to be superheated vapor or do you want that to be um condensed like um superheated steam or i forget the word that i'm thinking of here or or the uh <laughs> steam with water droplets in it right yeah yeah and, we, and that, i'm like yeah, you definitely want that dry steam <laughs> Well, no, because I I, I figure I, I read this and and what it said was you don't you don't want superheated steam for a rad you you want um, steam that that has water droplets in it so that that water basically coats the inside of the rad and that water basically conducts the heat to the rad and that's how you get most of your heat and and, and I read that and it blew my mind I'm like wow so it's it's the steam if if you make it hotter you don't get that conductivity of the water, um, that layer of water that's on the inside of the rad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah I, I, I wish, I wish I had the opportunity to, uh, to work on steam a little more, but in, I think you're, you're probably living in an area where it's, it's a pretty healthy market still. Um, I, I don't do much, I don't do much boilers at all. And I only have a couple of steam boilers I take care of. And, um, I, I'm not really a boiler guy, but I mean, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't shy away from it. If if I've never yeah. worked on it before, I'll just get on the internet, grab the manual and I'll, I'll just go at it. But anyway, I, I wanted to move on to the kind of the next thing and, and basically boiler controls. Um, how, how are you controlling your boilers these days? What are you using? Um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Techmar products. In are general. you? Um, you know, and I, it's it's something that it was the first control that I knew and learned. Um, you know, we used to we used to stage you know up to eight, nine, ten boiler plants within the the DSBN. Um, so I learned the Techmar control. Once again, this is kind of going back to a point where, at the time, I knew I knew how to make everything work, but I I truly didn't understand what I was doing in in full um it wasn't until you know the later years of being self-employed where i started getting into more of like not being sent to a job with you know here's your parts here's your deal here's your drawing go put it together and here's your settings um something i really got involved in was you know choosing choosing controls and choosing how to make boilers run the most efficient um one of the biggest things that I look at in any installation now with a condensing boiler is how we can keep the, the boiler water heating at the lowest temperature possible, how we can get the lowest return water back to the boiler because, um, you know, we see it, I see it, I quote against guys walking into places and, you know, the customer says, oh, well, you know, they're selling me this 96% efficient boiler. And I'm looking around at this building or house 
and I'm looking at copper fin baseboard rod. And, you know, I have to sit there and say, listen, like, yes, this boiler is capable of 96%, but your, your house and your system or your building is not capable of running at that efficiency. So um, something I really focus on is how to get the coldest water back to the boiler as possible. Um, okay. And with, with that, uh, we play around with, um, I play around with electronic mixing devices a lot. Um, basically I play around with system Delta T a lot because a lot of people operate with this fixed mindset that everything is based on a 20 degree Delta T, you know, water flows based on a 20 degree Delta T, but in, in the grand scheme of things, you can move heat, you know, you can move a hundred thousand BTUs of heat in a two inch pipe and you can move a hundred thousand BTUs of heat in a half inch pipe. And it all depends on your system Delta T. So with, um, with controls, what, what I like to do, um, I'm also a big fan of the Honeywell T775 controller. I'm sure you, I was going to, I was, I was, I was going to bring that up when you said Tecmar and then you said that. It's it's kind of funny because we had a, a boiler go down uh, about two weeks ago, and it had a Tecmar controller on it. And every time, I, so I think the power went out and it lost its memory. And I think whoever was on site had to re um, reinstall all the, the settings that were back in it. And then when they shut the power off and back on, it lost it all again or something along those lines. So. Basically, the, the boiler had its own, before that Tecmar went on, the boiler had its own operating control on it. Yeah. So it, it, the Tecmar was bypassed and the boiler ran off its own operating control until it was replaced. And the guy that was going to go back to replace it, I, I didn't like the Tecmar that was on there. And I, you know what? I've never done any Tecmar training, and maybe that's why. I, I find they're, they're, they seem to be overly complicated, and I don't know why that is. And, I'm, and I said to him, I said, why don't you put the Honeywell T77 on? They're so easy. Like they're so, that's probably the, the most, I'd say probably the most diverse and easiest controller that's out there. Yeah. And it's not even expensive. It's like 300 bucks or something like that. And yeah, it's I'm so easy to use. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Like a lot of people, I've heard, I've heard what you said about the Tecmar controllers that, you know, they can be overcomplicated. Um, Sometimes I think it's maybe, you know, for me, it's like, you know, cruising through a Tecmar is, is about as easy as it gets. But then I, you know, I open up just a few weeks ago, I got into uh, an HBX boiler control. Um, and here I am, you know, standing in this building uh, with, with the building manager standing beside me. And, you know, I, I can see the issues with the boiler system. I, I know what's going on. And here I am standing there. And I can't figure out how to get into the controller. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, like I know Techmar like the back of my hand. And here I am not able to get into the, into the HBX controls, uh, installation settings. So I'm, I'm on my phone and, uh, you know, I open up the manual and it's about 84 pages long. So I'm sitting there, you know, trying to skim through to get into the boiler settings because, I can tell that there's an issue with the settings, but, uh, yeah, the Honeywell, the Honeywell T775, um, we were doing some boiler plants 
years ago when I was working for a company. Um, and a lot of the boiler plants were running with the, with the T775 modulating um, onboard controller. And I, I, I've told a lot of people about it and I, I try to incorporate it into a lot of my jobs because you can do so much with it. And exactly like what you said, the price point is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, we, I have a job right now where I'm operating a couple zero to 10 volt mixing valves with a T775. And I think I'm, I'm able to do two valves and two different set points with one controller that cost me under $200. Um, but it's, it's one of those things people look at the controls and it's like, I get a lot of people that are like, you know, how do you, how do you learn that? How do you know that? And it's like, I just kind of, you know, over the years you, you put two and two together and, um, you just gotta spend, you gotta, you gotta spend time with it, man. Like I, I gotta do the reading and I I bought some products a couple years ago and I set up a, I have a little test facility at home and I play around with different types of valves and, just you know i do drawings all the time that's something i think if if you're really into what you do and you want to be good at what you do i i do a lot of like mock-up situation drawings where you know i just make up a scenario in my head it's like okay you know here's this job that doesn't exist and i'm walking in here and i'm gonna i'm gonna design a system and it's something you know i get i get into it and uh all it really does is benefit your skill set to you know, to put that kind of uh, practice into play, even if the job doesn't even exist. And um, so I got playing around with the T775 controller. And, you know, it's it's great because you can actually control um, mixing valves in a floating operation where you're basically power to open, power to close um, to create a certain set point water temperature just with 24 volt relays on board of the T775. Oh man, you can control anything with those. I, I've seen them control yeah. two Peters. I've, uh, I've put them in for, uh, like walk-in boxes or there's, uh, yeah, I put it in, I put one in for a, I put one in for a cooling tower like three or four years ago. There's so many things that you can yeah, do with that staging, control. Cooling tower staging. I mean, yeah. they have, um, I, I did some reading a while back and they have a great kind of design website for using their product. And I was absolutely amazed at what you could do with, with that control. I mean, everything from, you know, a, you got a building water source heat pump with boilers and cooling towers. I mean, you can stage your cooling tower, you can stage your boilers, you can run outdoor reset. I mean, it's, it's such a good controller. Um, I just think the biggest thing is that there hasn't been training and there's there's so many cool products out there that I stumble across and I'm like man I could have used this like 10 years ago but I didn't even know it existed and that's where I find just doing the research on your own doing the reading um Instagram's been a great tool I mean some some of the guys that I chat with on there you know we bounce ideas off each other um i've got a good buddy uh good buddy mo he he owns mo's plumbing and heating he's down in pennsylvania um you know the two of us we we talk controls and boilers quite a bit and uh you know we've we've been able to come up with some really cool ideas and the the t775 controller was something that i taught him and 
he you know he uses it quite frequently now because it's it's one of those things like man i've never even heard of this thing before and you know here's these products that i think if we could just get people to know about them or maybe understand them and it's something that it, it really opens up the trade to making things a lot easier on everybody yeah yeah know products exist yeah a Cu- couple couple things you, you, you said you're chatting with your, your buddy Mo in Pennsylvania and and I that's it, it's hilarious to me because I chat with people all over North America and I, I can't remember where I heard this but somebody was talking about the their internet friends and I yeah. was thinking I was thinking about that and I'm like I have better friends on the internet than I do in real life <laughs> I have more in yeah. common with these people and then I'm like thinking that's that's why online dating is so successful because <laughs> you you can talk to a million people and figure out who you actually like and kind of follow them or whatever. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. have like, I would say I got like five or six people that I would instantly at the snap of a finger, if they were in town and they wanted to hook up and have beers, I'd be all over it, man. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's, what's crazy about the internet. It brings the, it brings the world closer together, makes it, it's smaller and you really connect with people that you have a lot of stuff in, in common with. But I did want to tell you a funny story about the T77 and, and this was my bad. And I'm going to tell this story because people make mistakes and you shouldn't feel bad when you make a mistake because it happens to everybody. So, I had this walk-in box and um, they had these old, older, I think the four A19 Johnson control uh, stat stats on there controllers. So I wanted to put the, the Honeywell uh, T77s on there. So I grab a couple, stick them on, right. Um, Fire them up. Like the temperatures are not the same. They're like, they're like out of whack. And I'm like, the calibration doesn't even have enough room to get it to where I need it to be. So I'm like looking at the sensors and I'm, I changed the sensors and I had a hell of a time changing the sensors because it was a, a minus, um, minus like 22 or something like that degrees Celsius box. So the, the chase that they ran the wiring in was, was frozen solid with ice. So I'm whacking, I'm, I'm, I got threaded rod just going at it for like 45 minutes, getting rid of this ice, change the sensors turn it back on. It's still not working. So I'm like, you know what? Take it back. These things got to be bad. Take it back. Right. Get two new ones, put them in same exact thing, same exact thing. The temperatures were out of whack. They weren't matching what the, the, the temperature actually was in the box. So I call Honeywell and I'm like, what's going on here? Like, so they, they, we checked the, the ohm resistance of the sensor at this temperature and blah, 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 blah. They had me go through a whole bunch of things. They're like, yeah, those controllers must be bad. And I'm like, this is the, the fourth controller, like it'd be four, right, that, that are bad now, right? So then I go back and get two more. And I put them in. And, and this, is, this was the next day, and I was a little bit more fresh. And at the time, and it's not an excuse, I was going through a, a bit of a shitty time, like, we put our dog down and I found out my dad had cancer and stuff like that. He's fine now, but at the time, this is what I was going through. Right. And I was having a bad month. And the next day I, I was feeling a little better. I had some sleep. I turned them on and you know what the problem was? They were reading in degrees Fahrenheit instead of Celsius. And that's why they were so out of whack. And it threw me for a loop. And I'm like, I was 
for those two days, those two days were the most frustrating days I've probably had <laughs> in the trade in about five years, right? So yeah. it, it, it was crazy. But that, that's my story of the T-77. And I was about to boycott it as a controller, yeah. right? I, I was, I'm like, I'm done with this controller, man. What the hell's wrong with this thing? But I figured it out, and it was my fault. Nobody else's. Uh, the controller's fine. Um, but what I, what I wanted to ask you, um, I don't want to keep you too long. I know it's getting late. I wanted to ask you this for years in the trade, right? And I know the answer to this, but I, there's going to be a lot of people that don't for years in the trade. I always heard people say reset boiler or sorry, reset controller. And yeah, it's a reset controller, reset controller. I'm like, okay. And I just went along with it. And then finally I, I figured out what it was. And I know a lot of people probably don't know what, a, what what the terminology reset controller is. Can you explain that for everybody, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, you know, when we design a system, you're designing a water temp that's specific to the radiators you're using on a design day. Um, I know my area in general, I think we use three degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so basically you know, at, at 180 degree water on a three degrees Fahrenheit day, that's, that's your design temperature. Um, you know, we, we don't often get that design day, especially in my area, we, we get that design day very, um, infrequently. Um, so what a reset controller does is it's going to basically create an algorithm between that day. That's maybe only 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, you know, what, what water temperature is associated to the heat requirements of the building on that day. Um, reset heating in a small building. I don't think sometimes I find that it's not, you know, it, it's not a big money saver. Um, I think reset heating is much more of a money saver in a large building when you're running a loop temperature that's constant. Um, you're basically just lowering your water temperature on milder days. And it's, it's a somewhat of a linear curve. Um, so, you know, 70 degree day, 70 degree water, and then it basically curve rises to that, you know, potential if your design water temp is 180, it's, it's a curve between the two. That's going to basically select a water temperature based on your outdoor temperature. Correct. Yeah. Um, and the way I dumb it down is, is I think of it as a chart. So on, on the left side of the chart, we'll have, um, and I'll say this in Fahrenheit because we're most comfortable with Fahrenheit. I think most yeah. of us are in the industry. So like we have 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 60 degrees Fahrenheit, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 40. And as we go down, every temperature that um, every outside temperature will have a corresponding um, boiler or, or, or temperature of the water loop. Right. So you said 70 and 70, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so when you get down to, but let, 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 let's do this just so we can help people understand it. So we're at 70 and then 70 outside air, 70 degree water. See, we, we, we come down to 50 degree outside temp. What should our water temp be at that point? That, that number is going to change. It's going to change. On, okay. Um, that's going to change based on your design water. Um, okay. The curve, the curve is all based on your, you know, what your highest, set point water is so you know if you had off the top of my head i don't know um you know based on say a 180 degree design water it's it's a fairly linear curve if you were to take a graph 
and like you said you've got your outdoor temperature along the bottom and you've got your design temperature rising up on the left mm-hmm. and if you take a graph and you basically draw a line between your 70 and 70 and let's call it your 180 on a zero degree fahrenheit day mm-hmm. um setting up a reset you have to input all those numbers our design days are different in every area yeah um, correct yeah you're right so that. there is no there, there's not really a fixed answer to that but ultimately you know the colder it gets your water temperature rises yeah that, anywhere that's... in between it's it's fully uh adjustable based on each design condition um so i i like to use reset a lot on hydronic can coils um mm-hmm. it's it's something where you can really see some big savings on your boiler efficiency and not only that but the comfort of the air being delivered um makeup airs hydronic makeup air units is something that there's massive dollars to be saved in reset heating um we removed a gp combustion burner in a train airwise makeup air unit a couple years ago and fitted it with a boiler and a hot water coil and this was this was kind of a neat little thing that i engineered um you know we're taking zero degree fahrenheit air on the coldest day heating it up to 70 to supply the building um you know just simple math to create those formulas to uh you know to know what your heat output is going to be on the coldest day and i was able to set up a reset curve on a boiler system where i can actually deliver my 70 degree air um any any temperature of the day uh or any temperature you know whether it be zero fahrenheit or 50 degrees outside my reset curve was able to be set in so that that discharge air into the building was this constant 70 so it's it's a very accurate way to heat a system um you just need to be aware of the type of convector you're using and your design water temperature and there is a point where you need to keep a minimum water temperature otherwise you're burning gas and not doing a whole lot copper fins a prime example with that where you know you really don't want to dip too low on your water setting because you'll end up just kind of heating water and not really giving off any heat mm-hmm. so you're burning gas but you're not really doing anything so exactly yeah um these are all things everything is available online if you want to know something i've learned so much just by googling things and uh like i said it's it's a great time to be alive if you want to learn something while you're sitting at home and we're oh, all staring at our phones anyway. It, it really is. And and when I talk to people like yourself and stuff and what you guys get into, it blows my mind because I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit down, go, I can't go in the house right now and just design a system and figure out all my load calcs and all. I, I wouldn't be able to do that unless I took the time, like the weeks and, and days that it, it took to learn how to do that. And then, yeah, but <laughs> it's not, it's not what I do. Like I, I put a pouch on my, my shoulder with a meter and a set of gauges and, and I figure out what's wrong with stuff that's already existing. I don't design anything. So it's really cool to have these conversations. So I, I really appreciate um, all the info that you've given us tonight. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, it's, for me, I, I enjoy doing it. So, you know, one person might think of it as work and other person might think of it as like, Hey, you know, this is just kind of like my hobby. And, uh, it's 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 cool for me because I've been I've been everything from a installer 
to a service tech, um, you know, right from day one and being able to, being able to kind of walk in somewhere and picture like a system in your head without even knowing, you know, how the building was put together. And you can kind of just go in and, and you just picture it. And it, it really helps with diagnosing problems and, you know, being a better service tech. Um, you know, the, the amount of times that you walk in, it's like, oh, you know, there's been three techs here and nobody knows what's going on. And it's like, oh, well, you know, the pump's undersized. Simple. You, know, <laughs> you saw it before you, you saw it before you even walked into the boiler room, you saw the pump and you saw the boiler and you're like, oh, that doesn't go together. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, that all comes uh, from experience and actually giving a shit about what you do. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that you hit the nail right on the head. There is, you know, having that, having that, uh, interest in what you actually do there's a lot of guys that just go to work you know for their job to get paid and then there's the guys you know there's a lot of good guys out there that like myself they they want to know why and they want to know the answers to all the questions that they have and I think that's really what makes the best uh you know the best techs out there is just the guys that they want to be better than you know just the average guy Exactly. It's the guy that, that, that finds a failed relay and instead of just throwing the relay in the garbage, he takes the relay apart and looks inside of it to figure out how it works. <laughs> yeah. So those, those are the yeah. things my, my old boss used to say to me. He's like, you want to be the smart, you want to be smarter than everybody else. When you take out, when you take a part out, don't just chuck it in the garbage, take that part apart and look inside of it and see, see if you can find out what's wrong with it. See, see if you can figure out how it works. And, and I remember, um, I'll kind of cap it off here. Um, but I remember taking that advice and I remember buying a dollar store soldering iron. Um, and, and I took this relay out of a unit and I took it apart and the relay, um, I don't remember what was wrong with it, but it wasn't, uh, it was like broken inside or something like that. And I took it down to my truck and I plugged in my soldering iron from that I bought from the dollar store. (laughs) <laughs> and and I fixed it. I fixed this broken part in the relay and I put it back in and it worked. I'm like, wow, man, he was onto something when he told me that. So I just yeah. learned, I just learned something really cool that day. And I can't believe that I actually bought a, a soldering iron from the dollar store that I paid a dollar for. And it actually, yeah. it actually worked and, and, and came in handy on a job. It was nuts. Anyway, man, I, I don't want to keep you too long. I, I appreciate everything that uh, we've talked about here, because I've learned stuff and I know the audience is going to be, uh, is going to be infatuated by the amount of shit that they've learned tonight. So I, I appreciate it. Yes. Thanks. And um, I'll see you on Instagram. And what was your, let's, let's uh, your, your Instagram handle again for the, the people that yeah, want to get it. It's at Don Taylor 53. Okay. So hopefully we can get you some more I, follows guys. I go follow that. The motorcycle <laughs> racing background. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've 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 seen your pictures, man. That that's some cool stuff. Semi semi retired, uh, you know, semi retired has been. <laughs> cool, man. All right, you have a great night, man, and I will. Uh, I'll see you on Instagram, dude. Yeah, right, have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right, so I just want to fill you guys in. This podcast came out a little bit later than usual. I usually try to get one in by the end of each week. This one came out a little bit later. I apologize for that, but I'm going to make it up to you. If everything works out right, like I said, everything works out right. In the real world, it doesn't always, but 
My plan is to have a second podcast this week on HRV slash ERVs. Uh, we got Venmar coming up on the podcast. Like I said, hopefully everything works out and I can get this released also this week. So you guys watch for that coming out. It's going to be a good topic to discuss. I've already talked to Jean on the phone. Um, the man is super intelligent, super, super intelligent on his product and is going to give us a lot of great advice on ERVs slash HRVs. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Don's a great guy. He's a cool guy. Um, super intelligent, knows his stuff. Check him out on Instagram, guys, if you want to follow him and learn. But the podcast is over, guys. I'm done. I'm out. Happy HVACing.